are back. We're back. We're back. Welcome to another episode of Leafs Late Night. You know what that means. It means the Leafs game just ended. And this time we have some good news instead of some bad news. The Leafs won this one. Uh, joined tonight by none other than Andrew Sutherland for the first time. Andrew, introduce yourself. So happy to be here, Johnny. We've talked about this a long time. It's nice to finally have it happening here. And on the Leafs win, too. No kidding. And a little fun fact, uh, this podcast was conceived less than 12 hours before our first episode. Uh, I mean, like Andrew said, we've talked about doing this for a long time. Really happy to finally be doing it. But uh, from actually like creating this to starting to hit record, it all happened really quick. So uh, really happy with how everything's going so far. And thank you to everybody that's been listening. We've had some great feedback so far. And with that, let's get into tonight's game. Yes, let's do that. So, like we said, 3-1 victory for the Leafs over the Ottawa Senators. Uh, do we want to, let's, let's do a period-by-period breakdown uh, to start it off. So, um, Andrew, how were we looking in the first period there? I thought the Leafs were looking really good. They were buzzing, they were keeping up sustained pressure. It looked like they were winning all the puck battles too. So that was really good to see. Um, their depth was what really impressed me in this first period, though. Simmons, Spezza, the old guy is kind of looking really good tonight. No kidding. What about you? Yeah, uh, it was tough. Uh, I was expecting the slow start again just because they kind of set that precedent the first two nights. It, it seemed like in the first minute they were going to do it again. Ottawa had a yeah. really good chance right off the bat, and I was like, oh, no, here we go. But I don't, whoever it was on that bench or on the ice that said, guys, not again. We're not doing this again. They snapped out of it really quick and they got back on it, which I was uh, happy to see. But yeah, the, the depth was great. Uh, saw a lot of good things from Bunting, who we'll get to it when we get to the period. But finally puts one in the back of the net. Yeah, uh, we, we were starting to think he was getting cursed there. Uh, to, and very quickly turning into a, a fan favorite. Uh, so Bunting was great. Kerfoot was great. Engvall had a redemption night after a bad turnover in the last Ottawa game. Really, it was it was the first line that was pretty absent. All night. well, I mean, I don't want to say absent. They had, I think, half the shots on the team. <laughs> they just couldn't find the back of the net with it. It was weird. Like while having half the shots with the team, they never really seemed like a huge threat out there, though. No, it was a lot of ones that missed the net. Like, I don't think the, a lot of the shots they had were registered as shots on goal. Um, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, we can move on to the second period, if you have anything of note. Yeah, the second period was great. It was nice to see Spezza really stepping up there. I thought he made quite a few plays there. Uh, Marner had that crazy dance where he just got robbed by Forsberg. Looked like he outweighed him and still just gloved it. That was pretty crazy. Yeah, again, it was like turning into a battle of the goalies, but uh, fortunately for the Leafs, Forsberg kind of returned to a hopefully normalcy for, for the Sens. I mean, not for the Sens, but for the rest of the league. <laughs> it kind of seemed like that. Falling from his... Uh, well, what I, what I noticed is Forsberg seems like a goalie that does well when he takes a lot of shots. Like, there's some goalies that do well on bad teams, bad defensive teams. Like, if they're taking 30, 40 shots, they're like, all right, let's go. It's those kind of goalies that when, you know, there's 10 or 15 shots over 20 minutes that one of them sneaks by them because they're they're not on the game. Yeah, um, that's really true. 
So I guess, I mean, we moved on to the second, but I guess it's important to note that there was uh, almost a uh, game-time goal at the end of the first. Eight seconds left. And during, like, the live play, I never really noticed the offside until the replay, and that was pretty much as close as it can possibly get without being overturned. Yeah, I uh, I think I heard the word offside within a few seconds of the, the puck going in. I just, it was so many, of the range of emotions was like a roller coaster there. Because I knew that if Ottawa went into the second period with a, a tie game there, scoring uh, two unanswered, that it was just not going to be a good rest of the game. That's but, a tough uh, one to swallow because it's a huge momentum shift. Uh, considering this loss the other night to them too, eight seconds left in the period coming into the third. Yeah, it's not what you after- want. Especially after the 0.6 second left goal, it's just like, this can't be the narrative <laughs> that Ottawa keeps stealing the end of the period or that the Leafs are maybe uh, taking their foot off the gas in the last minutes there. No, and the way the Leafs were out playing Ottawa for the first two periods, too, it didn't really fit the narrative of the game either. So, yeah. No, and I think um, another narrative that carried itself over the first two periods uh, and in, into the third was the officiating. Um, there were, I mean, the Leafs, granted, had a two-man advantage for a minute and a half and couldn't do anything with it, uh, which we can get to when we, we'll, we'll discuss the power play in a minute. But there were a lot of uh, a lot of calls on either side that uh, I think, I mean, I, I was watching Twitter. People were not happy. <laughs> there, no. Whether they were called or not called. No, that one's pretty bad. There was some obvious calls against Toronto that were missed. Um, and the two, like you said, the double power play, those were so blatant, had to be called. Yeah, it's um, after the last Sens game, it's been in the media a little bit that Keefe and Tavares were overly uh, critical of the refs after the game, and Spezza kind of had to step in and, and smooth things over. But uh, you got to wonder if there's a bit of a... Some animosity there between the refs and the the Leafs after their comments. That's the real thing, though. It is. It is. And, I mean, we saw it in in the NBA. It was getting to the point where they literally had to sit down with the refs and the the Players Association and be like, hey, like, let's find what we're calling and what we're not because clearly there's a misunderstanding here. And by – I mean, it's not just the Leaf game. All over the league there's been weird uh, discussions about calls. So you got to wonder if we're going to get to that point where the the PA has to sit down with the refs and say, okay, like, what is a kick? What is a slash? (laughs) What is a trip? And what is a cross-check? You might have to because the one penalty is just a one-handed tap on the glove while we missed so many obvious high sticks. Hit from behind. Yeah, I mean – Marner took a high stick right in the face. I think it yeah. was in the second period there. That was awful. It was like blatant. Like he, he was holding his face. He went down. He's looking at the refs like, like really nothing. That's nothing. right in the middle of the play too. That's, that yeah. can't be missed. It wasn't like off in the corner somewhere. It was mm-hmm. literally like in the in front of the net. It's unbelievable. <laughs> but then I finally see, um, we'll, uh, I guess we'll move on to the third. Because there was a call in the third period where I think it was on Ottawa. There was a cross-checking call. Somebody got uh, hit from behind in front of the net. And I was like, okay, there's exactly what they said they were going to call. Where's the consistency, though? Yeah, that's really all you're asking for is consistency, right? Because they have to know going into the game what is a call, what's not a call. You know, yeah. just how to straddle that line. It's not a matter of, like, you know, we don't like getting called for this or don't like getting called for that. It's like we just want to know how to play going into the game like this is it's just insane yeah it is 
so third period, the uh, Sens started to pick things up. The Leafs, I felt, uh, they looked like they were on a power play for for half of this game. Like the the way that they were setting up in the the Sens zone, they uh, really looked like a different team than uh, they did the other night against the Sens. They really did. Uh, first two periods of this game, like this cycle is just really going. Their deep down play was great. Uh, their puck battles, winning almost every battle. But in the third, that kind of went away. Yeah. Um, Ottawa definitely started to capitalize on some turnovers and a lot of those quick rushes. Uh, Norris and Stutzla almost had like four goals out of these breakaways. Like, if he had put any of those in, this was a completely different game. That guy was flying tonight. He is a beauty. So fast. Um, but uh, I think Campbell played a really great game. He had some nice uh, nice saves in all three periods. I don't think um, that goal was really his fault at all. So um, happy to have him on my fantasy team. <laughs> no kidding. And right after the least five, uh, five on three PP, he made a huge save too. That would have swayed the momentum of the game entirely. And... I mean, I know by the end of the game, we're not really talking about it, but going into tonight's game, there was a huge different story around the league's goaltending. And that's, what's his name, Alex Bishop? Alex Bishop from U of T. So for anybody who is not following the Leafs and their uh, abysmal cap situation or doesn't know like 99% of hockey fans how the salary cap works, uh, because Morazic was hurt during the game, the Leafs have to wait a game to get the relief of his salary on the cap. And because they don't have enough room, they cannot call Hutchinson up to be Jack Campbell's backup, which is just like mind-boggling that they've put themselves <laughs> in this situation. But they were literally at a point where I'm guessing a, um, the amateur tryout doesn't cost them any money against the cap. That's exactly right. So they phone up every university <laughs> in Toronto and see who has the best goalie who they don't need tonight. And uh, on a couple hours notice, this kid is dressed with his parents in the crowd on the bench in full Leafs gear. Like absolutely mind blowing. Imagine being him, right? The best scene in the house, just living out a fantasy one night. So One night. And I I had this weird feeling just because it's Ottawa and weird things happened to the Leafs against Ottawa that Bishop was going to get a net. And it was going to be like Hutchinson and Bishop for the next three months. That comes with being a tortured fan base. It's, it does. Also, remember the David Ayres situation, though? Like, what is happening with Leafs and weird backup situations? Unbelievable. In less than two years, we can have this many weird emergency goalie <laughs> situations but uh, that's what happens when you spend all your money on a first line that is absolutely unable to score like what is going on with Mitch Marner and John Tavares I mean had some chances tonight but again no sustained pressure these chances were just really really random and unfortunately a little too seldom and... John Tavares, I, I hate to say it, he has not been looking like a first-line center. Do you feel like he's a little step slower than he used to be? Even compared uh, to last year? I mean, I've always felt like he's, he doesn't play a fast game, but he isn't playing the same game anymore either. So I don't. I think like it's more noticeable that his speed isn't there 
because he's kind of thrown off and put with Marner and because Marner's so fast, right? And Matthews yeah. can keep up with him. When you put these guys beside each other, it's it's pretty obvious, like especially with um with Richie who keeps bombing down to the net and to the corners, like Tavares seems to be a step behind and he, you know, you'll see him trailing up into the, the top of the circle and you're like, okay, here's a good look from him. And they miss the net. A lot so, of missing the net. A lot of missing the net for uh, a lot of money. And to, like, I'd like to blame it on, you know, what happened in the playoffs last year, but it doesn't really seem like that's the issue. It's just, he was his game's just, exactly. His game's just not quite what it should be right now, especially for the cap hit. Yeah. Um, the other thing I want to touch on is uh, now that we've played two straight games against Ottawa, what's the analysis of the Sens team? Where are they actually at? So is Ottawa legit or not is the question, right? Yeah. And I don't think they are just quite yet. But you can tell they definitely have the pieces to be. They got Stutzel, they got Shabbat, Kachuk, Batheson. But I think their big thing is they really need a solid goaltender. I don't think Matt Murray is that guy. Is Forsberg? I'm not too sure about that either. I feel like Forsberg could... I mean, he's been... Okay, it's hard to tell. He's played two games, and they've both been against the same team. So my uh, sample size is a little small here, but I feel like Forsberg could be a 1B goalie or, like, you know, a, a backup that plays 20 to 30 games a year. Like, I I just don't think, like you said, Murray is the guy to play the 50 or 60 in front of him. Yes, I can definitely see Forsberg as a tandem goaltender. It's just, I mean, that Murray contract does not allow them to uh, look at many options. I don't think anyone's going to pick that up with the way he's been playing and with the injuries, and it's going to be a tough buyout. I mean, Ottawa's got the money if they wanted to, but it's kind of a pain in the middle of, you know, retooling and getting to the, uh, the what do they call it, the, the winning years where Eugene said they're going to spend to the cap. <laughs> Good old Eugene, yeah. Um, yeah, that's a tough contract, especially the years, like you said, and with the injury, it's really hard for any team to take that on. It is. Um, so we're going to jump in now. So that, uh, that'll that wrap up our, our little recap of the game. We're going to go into um, a fun little segment called uh, Ed's Techs. <laughs> This is Ed's text. So Ed is my dad, and um, he is your typical uncle who doesn't like William Nylander, as uh, Twitter likes to dub them. Uh, and he loves to text me his takes in the middle of games, and uh, I thought it would be fun to make a little segment breaking down my dad's takes. So for, uh, for reference, he's in his 60s. He's seen and been heartbroken by more Leaf teams than we can imagine. <laughs> so I, I kind of get where the um, negativity comes from, but here we go. Ed's text. First one of the season. Uh, so he texted me. This was at the end of the second period. Uh, Marner should donate three quarters of his salary to the homeless. Very, very hot take by Ed right there. I'm, I'm really not disappointed. I'm, I literally... One. I could not make this up if I wanted to. These are not written by me in my spare time. This is 100% legitimate text from my dad. This is going to be a segment. When you pitched (laughs) this idea, I was so excited about it because I knew it was going to be fantastic. 
Okay, so so here's our first take. Marner should donate three quarters of his salary to the homeless. Now, this is playing off what we were just talking about. Marner is making, what is it, 10.6 or 11? I don't even, I can't keep track of their double-digit numbers. He was making double digits, and yeah. That's, that's all that enough. matters. Exactly. At, uh, at a what is it, 90 million cap, that's, that's all that matters. So, uh, <laughs> I mean... The reality aside, that like he's not going to donate the money, that doesn't mean anything. But he is—he's not playing up to the salary, and that's very evident. He's like, a frustrating I, player like that, though, because I, I can almost say by the end of the year he may again be almost a point game player. Really doesn't feel like it sometimes. And it's one of those things where you, when you watch all eighty-two games. At the end of it, you can say, "Yeah, he's a point game player." But when you break it down, okay, zero, 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 zero. Five points, four points, three points, zero, zero. It's like, okay, well, that's uh, that's not really helpful. <laughs> I mean, it can be. Look at me, Mika Zibanejad. It, it can be helpful. <laughs> but uh, it's, especially in Matthew's absence, it's not right now. Like, he, he gets a lot of looks. And it's like I said last episode. You see him looking, looking, waiting. I have no one to pass to. Oh, do I have to take the shot? And ah, I missed the net. That's what you're saying. Like, he's an opportunistic and a streaky scorer. Like you said, without Matthew, it's really, really tough with him leading the charge. Because he's not a constant chances on net. And, you know, the constant uh, comparison to Drysaddle and McDavid that they get, there's been lots of, like, the season that Drysaddle won, he won the heart, didn't he, when McDavid was out for most of the season? Like, but the difference they, between Drysaddle and Marner is Drysaddle can actually drive the play on a consistent basis. So when he's not scoring, he's still making a huge difference. And he doesn't get paid as much as Marner does to do that. And I think yeah. that everyone has been confused about that contract. Yeah, they thought he was crazily underpaid, and he is vastly underpaid right now. Yeah, no kidding. Um, and I saw a tweet brought up again today from a couple of years back when they uh, were about to sign Marner saying they should give him north of 10, north of 11. You know, they, they need to avoid a um, offer sheet at all costs. And I'm like, is this really the situation we put ourselves in? Like, They had to sign him, though. That's the thing. But they have without, to. Math- without Matthews, it's... The whole team has a different dynamic, and that doesn't put someone like Marner in a great position. No, it doesn't. And it's like we've seen a lot of these stretches without Matthews to give the spotlight to these other people and kind of put them under the microscope. I think what could be really telling is if Marner misses any time this year and everybody gets to see what the team's like without him. I know there's all, I know he gets pounded by the media and by social media, just. I think for a, a real honest analysis of what Marner brings to this team, we need to see what they play like without him. I couldn't agree more, but the thing is about him, he's durable. He yes, doesn't really mess time like that. Which I guess if you're paying someone, you know, over $10 million, you do want him to be durable. Oh, it's such a win-lose <laughs> situation with this guy. I mean, at least he's not Jeff Skinner, but like... Oh, thank God for that. Sorry, Jeff. <laughs> Apologies. Um, so, uh, 
to further Ed's text, um, he, uh, after Tavares and Marner could, uh, they missed a couple other shots. He says, there you go, 23 mil, couldn't score. I hate that the salary cap has made us watch hockey with dollar signs above every player. It's so it, frustrating. It really does put a certain expectation on a player. And fair or unfair, you know, you kind of negotiate that. It's on you to live up to it. And at the same, like the, the flip side of that, like I know this is kind of a narrative around hockey a lot is that we're the only ones that worry about what the players on our team are making. But you kind of should as a fan, like if not that you care what the team is spending on a player, but if the person on your star player on your team is making, you know, twice what the next guy is and he's three from the bottom of scoring, then that's, that's a problem. Like you should kind of worry about well, that. But I feel like hockey is the only one where they actually make you. Imagine Martin makes $2 million less right now. They can actually go out and get another backup goaltender. But as the cap situation is right now, they don't have that ability to do it. Okay, here's $2 million. He didn't play tonight. Justin Hall. Justin Hall. Where do you see him at the end of the season? After tonight, I mean, I'm not going to say that Lilligren was perfect. I'm not going to say that Sandine and Dermott were perfect. But they won 3-1, to one and the defense were pretty good especially offensively. They held that blue line like a brick wall. That's the thing um, with Lilligren. He offers a lot of upside on the offensive side of things that Justin Hall cannot offer. No, and I think when you put Lilligren with somebody like Muzzin, I could tell, I don't know if you caught this, Muzzin was not 100% convinced that Lilligren was going to play defensively. Anytime somebody was back, <laughs> I saw Muzzin pinch in with him, and it was a two-on-one. I'm like, you don't trust this kid. You don't. I can see it. And that's fair, though. Uh, it is. Yeah, I mean, does. it's... The, but if if the two of them can be a um, Brody-Riley B, then yes, that's a really good back pocket to have because I think the depth that the Leafs are trying to build will only get better if they have a little help offensively from their second defensive line because that's been lacking. They, I mean, they've been focusing on having a defensive line for the last decade. So to be, it's it's fair that they haven't really focused on how to arrange it once they had it. But the offense clearly has problems creating chances, and I think Lilligren can help that out. I really think so too. It's a huge opportunity for him. He was drafted middle of the first round. He was actually expected to go top ten too before he had his. Uh, he was sick for what did he have? He had mono, right? Oh, yeah, right. He was supposed to be a really, really high pick. So he's been developing for quite a while. And I think given that, he can really, really be helpful for the Leafs' blue line, especially offensively, which, again, Hall, I don't think he can do. No, and I mean, as much as I've I've been over the last year praising the Muzzin-Hall line, it's kind of hard to look bad defensively when you're playing with just uh, with Jake Muzzin. That's the thing. He's such like you can lean on him. You can take chances. You know he's going to have your back. Uh, and I think the biggest eye opener in the switch out of those two players was, oh, Muzzin doesn't need an extra defenseman with him to play defensively. That he he basically can cover enough defensively that he opens a spot up for there to be an offensive defenseman there. And that's he what he's missing. So, yes, he's so responsible back there that he allows his partner. 
to know that and take the chances that he wants to do. Yeah. Also, Lily Green on that two-on-one where he dove and then had a stick behind him and broke it up. That was a nice play. So this brings me back to the point. $2 million for Justin Hall. Again, the, uh, the current situation with the now. goalies, like, we can't be relying on, uh, on like, Western and uh, Ryerson or X-University to not need their goalies over the season. Like This is an 82-game season. Shit can happen. Ability to take on that stuff. Yeah, we're game three, and we have an emergency call-up. So and how long has our goalie situation been like this? Man, since, I don't know, what, the second or third year of, of Freddie, when he started yeah. getting hurt? Like, exactly. It's an, like, always an ongoing issue. Okay, so we've we've traveled a bit off, but that, uh, I think Ed's text is going to be great for, for initiating lots of fun conversations and to make fun of my dad's uh, awesome boomer takes. Uh, so we're going to play another little fun game. This is called Belief or Disbelief. Love it. Right. So uh, we're going to go over some takes. Some of them are a little um, radical. Some of them not so much. And um, we'll see. Uh, we're going to decide whether we believe them or disbelieve them. All right. Let's uh, see. Them. So I'll start. Um, we've got uh, the Leafs will trade for a goalie this season. Hilariously, I wrote this before <laughs> all of this happened. <laughs> <laughs> You're a prophet, Johnny. So I'm going to go ahead and believe this because I don't think that Dubas is confident that Campbell isn't going to get hurt and that Morazic's not going to get hurt again. I am going to go in the opposite direction. I disbelieve this because they have this weird trust in Hutch and I think you will see him taking up Morazic's spot. Also, Morazic is signed for, what, two, three years? I don't see them bringing on someone. No, I, 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 I see that. I get it. Um, it's tough because Morazic is looking at missing, what was it, eight weeks now? Is that what they said, eight weeks? I thought it was a little uh, less than that. Oh, sorry. No, I was thinking of um, Pacioretty's out eight weeks. I'm thinking of my fantasy team. Apologies. Uh, it was three, four weeks they're expecting for Morazic. Yeah, uh, I can see the Leafs brass living with Hutch for three or four weeks. Yeah, I mean, Hutch, what is he going to play? Like two games maybe in that time? Like a couple back-to-backs? Maybe. Which brings up another interesting point. Jack Campbell has never played a full season as a starter. So that's okay. another huge question mark. It's a question mark, but I mean, with his performance last year and his performance in these first couple of games, like, eh, I'm, I'm really liking... Jack Campbell. He is 18-7-2 as a starter for the Leafs. Oh, my God. See, oh, part of me is just like J.S. Shagir, J.S. Shagir, J.S. Shagir. <laughs> like, what was it, three shutouts his first three games? Yes. <laughs> Went on a tear for like two months and then... Right off of the yeah. yeah. So I'm just, I'm trying not to be a jaded Leaf fan and assume that he's going to fall off or he's going to get hurt. It's just The thing is, his career already did fall off. He was drafted 10th overall and he got sent to the minus for a long time. He's worked his ass off since then and I feel he has a newfound confidence and yeah, he's taking it. Man, and that All or Nothing documentary, they love that guy. 
Well, after watching it, like, who doesn't? Man, it gave me a new appreciation for some of those players, especially Mitch. He's uh, he's pretty funny. I forget. He was... Oh, he was singing um, Low by Bo Ryan. Yes. And, and he was talking about it being at his uh, every high school dance or, like, his grade <laughs> 7 dance or something. And um, I, I've really connected to his story because... Uh, he said that every time he requests a song at a wedding, the DJ tells him to fuck off. I was like, hey, that's me. <laughs> I always do that. He struck me as the younger brother of the whole group. Oh, yeah. He, he's, like, following them around, like, telling some story that he, and just, like, grinning, just so happy the whole time. And they're all like, oh, yeah, Mitch? It's, it's so fun. <laughs> he's great. All right, so uh, Belief or Disbelief 2... Matthews will be in the Rocket Richard race again. I feel like this is even a question, right? Like in the race, the guy's the best scorer in the league, I think, hands down. Uh, I'd be shocked if he doesn't win the Rocket, even while missing the first bit of the season. I will have to agree. I'm going to believe this. He's definitely going to be in the race, um, missing a couple games. I don't know if it's going to hurt him that much because it's not like McDavid hasn't been potting many. It's been random people scoring. Like, I mean, I've got Chris Kreider on my fantasy team. He has scored in all three of the Rangers games. Yeah, that's not sustainable. No, there's a lot of weird people. Like, every game I've checked, like, if it's five goals, five different people have scored. So I think it's it's still wide open for him to come back and uh, – return to form because i mean he played all of last season and won the rocket with a hurt wrist now his wrist is fixed so if anything he should score more goals and he had quite a lead on the rocket too so i think given full 82 season 82 game season my i know minus the game he's missing right now but yeah i think he's got it pretty much locked up yeah as long as um his new unvaccinated counterpart tyler bertuzzi doesn't uh <laughs> Did you hear he, he got the Matthews treatment? He scored four goals and they lost. Unreal. How does that happen? <laughs> I don't know. I'm, hey, <laughs> like I said, he got the Matthews treatment. The Leafs did it. Uh, okay, belief or disbelief number three. Justin Hole will play his way out of the lineup by the trade deadline. Again, I wrote this before he was ruled out of the game. Again, profit, Johnny, but uh, we touched on this a little bit earlier. I do think they're going to trade one of their D, whether it's Hall, Dermot. I can see Lily taking his spot. I really, really see that happening. I think while Justin Hall is still talked about and still has value and is still looked, especially at $2 million, they That's exactly right. really get something for that because – Especially with these contracts, these guys, these defensemen are signing like north of six, seven, eight, nine million. Like it's been crazy season for a defensive defenseman. He'll like they could rob a team for that. Somebody that's especially for something later on in the season too, when it's prorated two million dollars. That's nothing to take on. Oh yeah. Uh, so number four, this is a new one. So there's a rumor as of today uh, that Dylan Strom is on the move. Really? They're looking to trade. He's on Arizona? Yeah. Is this yeah, coming Arizona. from the team or from the player? Um, uh, let me check. Dylan Strom. Um, just while I do this. So anyway, the rumor is that he um, 
Okay, so the Blackhawks have made an offer, apparently. Do they say what? Oh my gosh. I'm the, I'm the worst. Dylan Strom is on the Blackhawks. Oh, Johnny. Let me just reset my... I, my notes sucked for this, okay? Um, I just wrote Dylan Strom on the move. So, Dylan Strom of the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, to be fair, it's not his first time on the move, so... No. So, the Chicago Blackhawks are listening to offers for him. Um, what about Alex Kerfoot? <sighs> Alex Kerfoot is always such a tough one. Their is he a contracts are the he... same-ish. Really? Yeah. That's you why his see the name has been doing tossed. I don't know. I'm, this is a belief or disbelief. This is... There's a potential for a, a Dylan Strom out there. Is there somebody on the Leafs? Let's, let's word this into a belief or disbelief. Is there someone yeah. on the Leafs that gets traded for Dylan Strom? Well, the person you just said was the person that it would be, right? Kerfoot. He's a center. He's a left wing. He makes the same amount of money. Um, I think given the right opportunity, like he was really good in Colorado. He just hasn't quite hit his stride yet in Toronto. Although being pretty good in the playoffs last year, just consistency is his big thing. Yeah, and consistency is kind of what you want from a, uh, a second slash third line float like that, um, especially for three and a half mil, I think he makes. Yeah, and especially if like, Matthews is out. You need that guy to step up. He has to be one of the big guys that can really step up there. Yeah, and he looks as lost playing second line center as Tavares now looks playing first line center. It's it's weird. Like it's just one person being out has thrown off their centers so much. Like they're just not used to this. The wingers Huge have been domino fine. Effect. Yeah, the wingers have been fine. Amadio not good on the fourth line. Simmons and Spezza great, really great. The fourth line has been great. Uh, man, did you see Amadio lying on the puck? Yes, I did. <laughs> that was so funny. Like he was just like, no, no, time, timesies, guys. Like everyone, back away. I just want to. I have it. I'm calling time. Let me get up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you have any uh, any belief or disbelief takes for us? Uh, no, I think I, we touched on all the ones that uh, we really wanted to hit. All right. Well, uh, we will continue to refine, and uh, we'll be back with a, another belief or disbelief next time. Uh, so, some news around the NHL. Uh, we've been covering all the contract signings, and uh, I guess this will probably be the last big one for a bit. Charlie McAvoy. Eight times nine and a half. Both the number and the years are a little unreal to me. Like you said, this has been crazy season for defensemen just getting paid and getting some crazy, crazy term. Um, yeah, I didn't see this one coming. I didn't either. I was thinking like, you know, six or seven. I mean, that's what I thought for all of these guys, though. It's every contract that gets signed, though, I'm like, bye, Morgan. Have fun. That's Have fun what I that. always bring it back Have fun to. with right? that nine and a half million dollar contract you're probably going to get. At, what, eight years? Seven at least? I'd say maybe less on term for Riley because he's a little older, but... He's not I that old. He's not that old. Like, man, it's weird thinking of him as being old because he's been on this team the longest, but there's been so much turnover on this Leaf team in my lifetime that, like... It's hard to keep track. 
it's hard to keep track. And it also makes it weird watching other teams because you feel like every team is made up of X Leafs because they've just blown it up so many times. Like Even every team, today, for example. Like... Yeah. Tyler Ennis, Nikita Zaitsev, Connor Brown. Yeah. It's all over the place. And I feel like it was worse with Ottawa before. There were more of them. There was like Cody, well, Cody CC came from CC. Yeah. But, um, and I mean, like Spets is on the Leafs, which is hilarious. Oh, oh, Clark MacArthur went to. Ottawa. Oh, MacArthur, yeah, yeah. I knew there was another big one, but yeah, it's it's weird. Like every team I watch, I'm like, oh, another X Leaf. Oh, there's another X Leaf. The the one that uh, the one X Leaf that's been haunting us though, Jared McCann. <laughs> Jared, yes, yeah. no kidding, right? Man, if anything had been taken, why couldn't we have let Kerfoot go? Literally anybody that was rumored to have gone, probably we could have stomached. Like now we've proven Dermot could have gone, Hull could have gone, Kerfoot could have gone. It brings and back it, the Hollard Dermot. Like, did you really notice them if they weren't there and Lily was playing? Well, you that's don't. The thing. Between Hull, Lilligren, Sandine, and Dermot, there's a like they're kind of the. It's almost like the only difference is the ceiling. They're all kind of playing around the same level, but it's like who's going to, who has the highest ceiling and who is already at theirs. And it seems like Justin Hall has reached his. Yeah. And he's a million dollars. Yeah. And Dermot, I want him to be so much better, but what is he, 26 now? He's not, though. That's the thing. Lily's the guy who has the highest ceiling. Yeah. I, Lilligren and Sandine are definitely the ones that you want to give that development time to to like you know the real nhl minutes and on the power play and it's hard when you're trying to also rely on your go-to guys in hall and dermot and it, it seems like their kind of go-to time is up like they were placeholders until yeah the young guys were, were there and they didn't prove but, that they weren't um they didn't prove that these guys shouldn't take their spots the young guys have been grooved for a while though. they've been in the system for quite a while and i feel it's Either the time to give them a chance or move them for someone else. Yep. And you got to do it while their value is high or else uh, you risk walking into what the Leafs always do. It's either giving away a prospect before you know who they are or yeah. after they've already proven to be nothing. So, so what are you going to do? You're going to bury Lily in the HL again and you're going to trade him and he's going to blossom with someone else. No. Like, you, you can't. Risk that. No. And the only one who should be sitting in the minors right now is Nick Robertson. Yeah, agreed. Because and it's because he... of the way the top six is laid out. Yeah, there's no room for him. And he's not a bottom six player. He's not. He needs to be in the top six, but there's no opening right now. And there will be. So until then, get your leadership minutes in. Get your uh, <laughs> get your uh, your uh, community hours. <laughs> agreed. All right. So we're going to look at some scores around the league. Uh, so yesterday, while we were off, we had three games. We had the uh, the Devils beat the Blackhawks in overtime. Jack Hughes with a disgusting overtime winner to uh, a hat trick. Um, the Canucks beat the Flyers in a shootout. Got a lot of two point or three point games. Um, and the Wild beat the Canu- or the Ducks two to one. Going into tonight, um, the Sabres beat the Coyotes earlier today. Uh, Sabres unbeaten, by the way. The Sabres are are first in the Atlantic Division. Um, What the fuck is going on? (laughs) 
I bet you never thought you'd hear yourself saying that this year. I mean, it's not going to last. Like, this can't. But, no, no, it's a mirage for now, but but it's happening. It's happening. They're scoring, and it's not one person. <laughs> like, it's all of them. They beat Montreal. And Do you think it's a collective fuck you to Jack Eichel, or what? I think it's the first-year Vegas effect of nobody wants any of us. This team is going nowhere. All we can do is play for a contract that gets us the hell out of here or turn this team around. Both I mean, both have you... are the same means to get to that end. Like, we have to play really well here, and we have nothing, so there's no expectation. Have you seen their attendance this year? No. That is a ghost town in there. Well, this is very, why... Very this is why Batman and the league need to step in on this Eichel thing because this is not good for the league. It's not good for the Sabres. Like <laughs> Eichel needs to be playing. He's yes, he does. He or he needs to be only... traded. Yeah, exactly. He needs to be playing anywhere, whether it's Buffalo or anywhere else. He needs to be playing because it's it's people in the seats. Like if Buffalo flips him for something, it's something else in there, or it's at least. The fans know what's going on. Right now, they're left in limbo, and they're not going to hand money over to the, the Pagula family to just keep them there. Yeah. Like, nobody wants to waste money on this team. And the but, thing you hear, though, is, like, any team who this conversation about Eichel, they talk to the Sabres about them re- retaining some salary, and that's a deal-breaker right there. And as soon yeah. as that happens, talks are off. Yep. Uh, Sabres announced today that they are unwilling to uh, talk on salary retention. So they... <laughs> I don't understand their position on this. They don't have as much leverage as they think they do. No. And there's they can get a lot that will help the team for him. Yes, they, there are there are deals out there that will benefit greatly the Buffalo Sabres. And they're just they're not gonna get seven first round picks and like eight prospects like i it's not basketball where you're going to flip them for the next decade of a team's no like it's just it's not you're not going to get that trades work here no i don't care how many other leagues this family owns teams in they're not going to pull that off here (laughs) no they don't cross over just like that no um granted the buffalo sabers have played the off to a really bad start montreal canadians and uh love to see it tempe Coyotes, (laughs) Coyotes, <laughs> as they will be nicknamed next year. So the uh, yeah, the Arizona Coyotes are not exactly um, benchmark. What did they do after this year? Their lease is up. Yeah, so that's um, that's. I think it's Tempe that they're moving to, or they're in Tempe now, and they're moving to Mesa. I don't know. They're just jumping around to different stadiums. It's awful. What a gong show! Yeah, I wish they would do. Uh, what's going on in Major League Baseball with the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, who are having no luck filling the seats. Uh, and they're a good team, too. Despite having a great team. Yeah, they're so good. But I guess it's not in a good location, or it's an old arena, or, whatever, or old uh, ball diamond stadium. But they're playing half of their home games in Montreal next year. Are they really? They are. I didn't hear yeah. that. Yeah, they announced it like a week or two ago. So, half... you think that's a kind of a trial run to see if Montreal can actually have a full time team? It seems like it, and Montreal's pretty stoked. And they'll, if they want their team back, they're going to fill the seats for all of those games. Interesting. Like, I'm definitely going to a Jays Tampa Bay game if it's in Montreal. That'd be really cool. Of course. Um, but point being is, 
we're getting to the point where this Coyotes team might have to relocate. And I know Bettman doesn't want to because the Coyotes are like his baby. But this is just getting ridiculous. <laughs> I feel we're at this point four or five times already in their, in their like life the here. teams, The team's internal drama aside... Like, well, I guess, I mean, it all kind of goes hand in hand. Like, if there's enough drama, they can't sell seats. And, you know, here well, we you are. Can't they can't sell seats. Rent. You can't get, like, stars or any players really to play there. You lose everybody you have. It's... You have a, a GM who quits, quits slash gets fired, and you get fined, lose draft picks. Then you draft somebody who is a huge piece of shit. Then you release that draft pick. and Like, oh, my God. Yeah, just doing everything completely wrong. Um, moving on with the scores, uh, Panthers took out the Islanders five to one. Five to one, Bennett yeah. with the hat trick, right? Yeah, Sam Bennett. Sammy, ever up. since leaving Calgary, that guy has been on fire. Oh, I feel like this deal's gonna haunt Calgary. <laughs> <laughs> what was uh, while I'm doing this? What was the Bennett deal again? I don't remember that trade. Oh, geez, I can't even remember myself. Um, While I read this next score, if you don't mind looking it up. Um, Lightning beat the Capitals in overtime 2-1. to Uh, Lightning had a bit of a shaky start. I've heard so many people cursing Vasilevsky on their fantasy teams. It's hilarious. Really? Yeah. Um, So Steph, who um, is of the show, has Vasilevsky on. The great Steph. I'm pretty sure she has Vasilevsky, and she's been just crying with him and um you shout out to uh steve dangle <laughs> i was listening to their podcast today he picked vasilevsky who has had a god-awful start and he used his first pick on him <laughs> so i mean a lot of people use their first pick on vasilevsky and he is just, uh, it yeah. happened in our fantasy league yep somebody did in yeah. ours so it's um it's nice he got a win but it's an ot against the caps um, ooh, moving on, the Kraken. Oh, to oh. go back, sorry. Yeah, uh, sorry. Cy Bennett was traded with a sixth-round pick for a prospect and a second round. Ouch. Yeah, that hurts. <laughs> that hurts. That'll I don't even hurt. know the prospect. That's already haunting them. Uh, the Kraken, after their first victory in Nashville, fall to the Columbus Blue Jackets 2-1, to one, also in overtime. So many overtime games. Uh, Penguins smashed the Blackhawks five to two. Flurry got chased. Flurry got chased. So after giving up four goals on ten shots in the first period, Mark Andre Flurry <sighs> was pulled out of the net. That's kind of a Flurry <sighs> thing to happen, though. The guy is either incredibly thing. good or you know he gets scored four out of ten. Yeah. Um, moving on, Canadians lost again. Good. Rangers beating them three to one. So the Canadians are uh oh and three to start the season. Yikes. Um Do you think they miss Weber a lot? I think they miss um Edmondson and Weber a lot. They kind of just held up their D quite a bit and his leadership, and I'm sure the dressing team just made a huge difference with the boys. No kidding. Uh, points on the Rangers, Mika Zibanejad, who's just a fantasy just god. Two assists, two points on the night, four shots on goal. Uh, he just signed a huge ticket, too. No kidding. Um, Chris Kreider also picking up one, like I mentioned, in all of the Rangers' three games. 
So that's a uh, one to watch if you don't have him. And Alex mm. Lafreniere finally scored one. How do you think about Lafreniere? Do you think he's going to have a little bit of a bounce back here? I hope so. I was really – I mean, I know he was talked up a lot, and I think that hurt more than benefited him. Highly touted. Huge junior career, too, especially like for Team Canada. Yeah, but, I mean, to quote Sid Sixero, the Calder doesn't mean shit. <laughs> Guess not. Like, it's, you know, it's tough. Like, it's, you're good against the people around you at the time. Like, I, the juniors are really tough for being a snapshot every year. And, like, the players aren't very constant. It is you know? a crapshoot, you're right. So it's it's kind of just a roll of the dice as to which team has all of their good players down on their minor league team or not. Or, yeah, which team is willing to release any player to go play in it. Exactly. Or if you're like the Leafs who are trying to tank and have uh, basically <laughs> all of next year's team on the Marlies. <laughs> that exactly. Was great Love uh, it. So Red Wings beat the Canucks 3-1. to one. Uh, any notable goals there? No, no it looked a little close at the end. A huge save, and then they went and scored the open netter. Right on. Um, Bruins beat the Dallas Stars three to one. Hmm. So the Bruins are uh, somehow only playing their first game today. Like, this really? Is, I, I don't understand the schedule. So many teams played their first game today, and at least played their third. Yeah, Wednesday, correct? Yeah, and some teams had to had to wait all the way until Saturday. Like, I, that's a little bit of some weird scheduling. It is. Like, I understand that the Leafs played Montreal, Ottawa, Ottawa because of travel. Like, they're trying to restrict how much they're moving around because of you know, there's still some restrictions with COVID. But yes, it's it's just weird. I don't know. The it just means the Leafs have weird breaks. Like next week they're off. They play Monday and then they play Friday, Saturday. Yeah. So uh, weird. Uh, Predators lost to the Hurt. <clears throat> Pardon me, the Hurricanes three to two. Close game. Close one. Yeah, and uh, there's four more games currently going on. Blues are beating the Avalanche three to one. Ouch! I uh, doubled down on the Avalanche on my fantasy team for tonight. I don't even want to check. Nope, not worth checking. Oilers are up two nothing over the Flames. Jets are I... up one nothing over the Sharks. And the Wild and Kings are tied at 0-0. Zero, zero. Quick, quick tangent. How did you feel about seeing Hyman in the Oilers uniform? I mean, he's on my fantasy team and he scored. That's about all I have to say about it. Fair like, enough. Oh, I have Darcy Kemper in that and he's already let in three against St. Louis. That's gonna. I should have benched him. I'm beating you in goalies already. No, you are killing me this week. Yeah, fun, uh, fun little side note here. Andrew and I are playing each other week one. And I am getting destroyed. Yeah. You know what? It's the first time that I might come out of the first uh, first week in first place. So I'll take it. But, uh, okay, we just got an update on Peter Morazic. Breaking news. Oh. Only expected to miss two weeks. Two weeks. That's great. We can have Hutch sitting on the bench and... Campbell can just take the number one spot till then. It says at least two. Morazic out 14 days. We'll see. But that is good news. Well, especially between the gap between Monday and Friday. Yeah, Maybe you see Hutch in Friday to Saturday? Yeah, I mean, 
who are they playing on uh, on the Saturday? Let me just check real quick. I don't have the schedule up in front of me. Um, so Monday's Rangers. Oh, okay. So they got San Jose Friday and the Penguins on Saturday. Do you think they'd throw Hutch in against San Jose? Yeah, I think they would throw him in on Friday and then play Campbell on the Saturday. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see why not. Like, it gives a nice break for Campbell, who, again, is playing his first potentially exactly 60-game season. We'll see how Mrazek holds up. When and, you know, if, again, going back to the least goalie situation, you kind of want to give uh, Hutch a touch here and there, right? You don't want to keep him super cold because shit just keeps happening with their goalies. No kidding. And as much as we want Joseph Wall to be the brick wall that he was in the World Juniors... <laughs> it's World Juniors. Yep. That means shit. It was like that year, Team Canada and Team USA were both Leaf prospects, and I was like, oh, these goalies are both coming to us. And... You've never to, heard of them since almost. We got Justin Pogied. Justin Pogied. Love that. Yikes. Yeah, where for some reason all of the Leafs organization thinks that this is going to be our next goalie and it's like not even close. I don't know how they keep swinging and missing on drafting goalies, but... Goalies is such a tough position to hit on, though. It is tough. And I mean, I guess Campbell's a pretty good example of being drafted high and then not hitting till later, but... Developing late. Yeah. I mean... Watch, Joseph Wall can come in in the league at 33 and win a Stanley Cup. <laughs> 33? Just, like, pull a straight Tim Thomas. He's going to come out like of the he wood. he's 33 at this point. Oh, God. It's it's tough. There's a lot of names that you just hear over and over um, through the system, and then they're gone. And you go, oh, what, what happened to that guy that we just spent the last five years talking about? Uh, he didn't pan out. Never to be seen from again. Speaking of the Marlies, they just started their season. Um, how are they doing? We should check in on on our good friends over there. Oh, they had the Saturday afternoon game, correct? Yeah, they play today. Why doesn't it give me the scores of their games? Um, but Josh Hosang is playing with them, which is great. Yes, I expect to see him up on the big club at some point this year. I would love to see that. I mean, him and Bunting, uh, they just worked their asses off in the preseason to try to make this team, and it showed. I really like, do like the comeback story, too. Yeah. we it, The Toronto kids all fighting to be on this team when, you know, nobody else really wanted them or they played their way out of whatever city. It's, it's do you nice think he could, he could be this year's galley? Hey... They have pretty similar play style. Uh, exactly. They're fast and a little unpredictable sometimes, but... Uh, Given hey, the right night, they're they're really good. Yeah, I would take or it. Or can be. Galchenyuk is somebody that, uh, you know, maybe not 100% of the time you want around, but, I you know, you miss it. I think Simmons has picked up a bit of it. Now, he, this is something I wanted to touch on, actually, is Simmons coming back from the, the wrist injury. I think you brought this up in our group text. Yes. Um, he's been playing fantastic. He has. And uh, like I said, after the wrist injury last year, he did not play fantastic. No. It seemed he lost his confidence. He lost his touch. Uh, But at the beginning of this year, he's dirty. He's in front of the net. He's using a stick, tipping pucks, and that's what you want from him. Oh, the amount of pucks that were like just right on the goal line there that for him and Spezza, (laughs) 
Like, you know, Simmons is punching at the line. They're trying to get something through. A rebound comes out. Spets is firing them. Man, those guys work so hard. They do work so hard. And the other players notice that, too, especially when Simmons gets a little physical with someone. The boys like that. Yeah. And you don't have any players on the team who do that. No. Speaking of getting a little physical, a um, little segment we'll, we'll go off on here. There's been a lot of suspensions this season already, and we are very oh, wow. early. Yeah. Um, I know they've been cracking down more on cross-checking. They said they were going to before the season started, but there have been, like, hits to the head, dirty elbows, and Larkin with the punch in the face on, um, who was it, Joseph? or somebody? Huge retaliation there, yeah. I mean, He was pissed. The, I think it was Freege and um, McLean and Merrick were talking about it um, in one of the breaks of the game there, but he doesn't see the punch coming, and I'm I've, I'm thinking it was Joseph. It was a player I'm not familiar with who got punched by Larkin. He doesn't see it coming. That's because I feel, I mean, the way that the league has been in the last couple of years, they've been trying to move away from this kind of play and, and fighting and things. But I think the flip side of that is the guys aren't expecting it, and it's Agreed. catching them off guard, and that's how these injuries and dirty hits are happening is because guys are under the assumption that the league has been made safer and all it takes is them to have their head down. Don Cherry would call you out for it. And um, they get a hit the wrong way. Like you just saw, um, oh, I forgot the players. It was a highlight from tonight right before we hit record, but somebody got smashed. Um, Someone on Calgary hit someone in the corner and it was like a back hit. I didn't see that. On the Oilers. Like smash, like, it was in the corner and it almost looked like an elbow to the head, but he kind of like turned his back into him. And I don't know. It's what is going on with this dangerous play. That is the cause and effect of trying to unofficially take a little bit of fighting out of the game. There's the fear when fighting was a big thing, you'd have fear on the bench, right? You know, if you did someone dirty, your other team is going to come and get you. And like you said, that's not a thing anymore. So people are not really expecting these hits. Yeah, and it's like like it happened with the, the Larkin punch. Like he, Larkin is, a, I mean, I feel weird saying this, but I, I had him on my fantasy team long enough ago that I'd call him a veteran in the league now. He's been um, around a little while. Yeah, so Larkin is somebody that has been around this enough to... I mean, have the reaction where he's going to throw a punch at a guy. And he doesn't... The the guy he hit didn't see it coming at all because he just dirty hit and, well, whatever, and goes on his way. It's like, no, no, no. You're going to answer for that. Yeah. And the reason that the hit, the punch from Larkin is as bad as it is is because the guy wasn't looking. He was just like, um, fuck you, and I'm going to go this way. Well, <laughs> that's dangerous, too. Very dangerous. Like, it's... And something happened. Yeah, and I, I don't think they're getting the results that they wanted out of this. No, they're not. Right. And they're getting some unintended results, like a few injuries and a lot of suspension. And, and what? look, you've got... Four days there? So now you've got Larkin is suspended. Gabe Landeskog is suspended. Yes. Like, how is this... What This isn't good for the NHL in the first three games. No, these aren't fourth liners. Like, these are... These are names the that sell to one players, yeah. And, like, it's not like it's Tom Wilson either. Like, it's not repeat offenders. No, no, you'd expect it from Wilson. Sorry about that. No problem. But, uh, yeah, you don't really expect that from Landeskog and Larkin. No. And um, 
We also had uh, six days ago, Pittsburgh's Mark Friedman was fined um, maximum allowable for spearing Columbus's Sean Corrali. Like, <laughs> spearing? That's spearing. Yeah, so why don't we just uh, accept the fact that these guys are playing a game, they're getting physical with each other, they're hitting each other, let them drop the gloves and get it over with. Break it up, it keeps, and the then send there. them back and drop the energy back down again. Like it's, it regulates the weaselhood that happens. Yeah, there's a reason that you know people like Marshawn and Wilson and the Kachucks are so prominent in what they do because there's not many of them anymore. For this reason, like no, there's not. Uh, they stand out because it's a, it's a rarity now. Taking it back to the Leafs, like, Simmons is a guy who takes care of that, and how often do you even see them do it? No, it's it's like uh, we saw in the All or Nothing documentary, where he had the fight that turned that game around uh, against, who was it, Montreal in that first yeah. game of the season last year? Uh, I can't remember exactly who it was, but I know what you're talking about, and yes, that's exactly it. It turned it right around. Yeah, they were down 2 nothing, and they came back and won it, or they were down 3 nothing. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. Guess the boys fired up, and yeah. Well, um, we should probably wrap up here. We've hit our hour mark. Uh, we are going to be back tomorrow with a special Raptors episode. Um, Andrew, if you're available, we got a we got a group down for that. We have a special guest from the Score Network coming in. Oh, um, I might uh, hop on for a segment or two there. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll come up with some fun games and uh, get something going. But for now, we will sign off until Monday when the Leafs play the Rangers. Find us on Twitter at Leafs Late Night, on Spotify, Apple, and Amazon Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Find us after every game. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much. Great to have the first one that built. Appreciate having you, Andrew. All right. Good job. Good night, everybody.